I love it when the Spirit's in the house. And, and uh, the Spirit is here today, but do we recognize it? And, and we need to recognize that the Spirit is here in the house. So I didn't, actually, I had it in my notes and I took it out, but, but God is omnipresent, which means He's everywhere. And I had the scripture in the psalm that talked about, I can't go here and you're there. If I go here, you're there. The Lord is with us everywhere we go. And we need to recognize that spirit of God that is with us and all around us and allow him to touch us. And the sermon that the Lord's put on my heart for today is called Battle Weary. And I'm not saying today that we're defeated. Uh, I don't think you're defeated or you wouldn't be here. Now, if we have some unbelievers here today, uh, you may be walking in a, a defeat, but, but most of us in here, we're not defeated, but a lot of us in here are battle weary. And, and anyway, uh, that's what I wanted to speak to today. And, and really it's simple things that we need to do to get past this. But a lot of times we aren't sensitive to the Lord or don't put the effort out to do it. And so we just continued in a battled, weary state. Uh, I wasn't wanting to speak on this, but, but last night uh, I was watching LSU play UCLA. And L- LSU is one of my favorite college teams. But, but I was getting disgusted because the linebackers weren't picking up their coverages. And because of that, there was two big plays that I think cost them the game. And anyway, but if you got to listening to the announcers... Uh, I know that one person on defense, I don't know that it was a linebacker, but, but he was out because of academic problems. He must be like me, man. School hadn't even started and you're already having grade problems, you know. Uh, that one there tickled me a little bit. But, but the other one, a guy was out and there was a backup in. And if you watched, he would blow his coverage whenever they changed things a little bit and they scored. And so really, passing-wise, I don't think LSU did, a, or UCLA did a whole lot. But the times this guy blew the play, it was a touchdown or big yards, which made it look big. And I think a lot of times we can change our situation. You know, I thought the coaches would go in and adjust this at halftime, and they, they really didn't because they did it again and again. And, but, but we can make adjustments in our lives Make good decisions in our lives that will correct this battle weariness that we experience from time to time. I experience battle weariness if I don't stay close into the Lord. But I love how our worship team uh, does things today. They, They hear from the Spirit, and the songs that they sang is exactly what we need to do. Uh, If you listen and really were into what you were singing today, that's your answer. You sang it today. But if we made a conscious decision to walk in that, and so I'm doing that to make you think about what you sang, because if you would do just what you sang today, it would solve the battle weariness. But it's all because I believe we're all desperate for a move of God. I'm desperate for a move of God. And we sang about that the last song and what happens when there's a move of God. But again, when we listen, we will fall to our knees. When we listen, we're going to receive what God has said, and we're going to make a decision to change those things. Again, that's what helps us to get over battle weariness. So today, uh, if you are following me online, welcome on those inside, outside, and online. Uh, again, that's repetitiveness there. I just talk. 
But, but I do welcome everybody here today that are outside and online. But those that are here, we're going to have these points on the board today behind us. But, but also, if you downloaded the Oakton app, uh, you can still do that today. I want to apologize. We had the, the wrong number last week. So if you're uh, dialing in that number, it probably didn't work for you. But today we have the right number and you can get that. I think it's in your bulletin. Or you can just go to the Bible app and download or the Oakton app and download it. But, but God gave me some big ideas and it's not me. I'm not big. God's what's big and his ideas are big. So the big ideas you can find there and it'll list four of them. But the scriptures also will be there and it'll be behind us. But the scriptures, James 1, 1 through 16. But I'm going to give you these points to start off today. But be faithful to God. Two, doubt is the opposite of faithfulness. The battle key is asking faith. The other battle key is counted a joy when you have trials. Do you guys realize that's what we sang about to begin with today? When we sing with joy and we praise the Lord and we worship him, the next thing we know, things around us are starting to settle in. We're focused on worshiping him and then joy of the Lord changes things. But James, verse 1 of chapter 1, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Now, when you see steadfastness there, you can look it up, and a lot of your versions will probably say it. It means faithfulness. Uh, I'll get into that a little bit more later. Verse 4, let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Did you get that? Faithfulness will make you perfect, complete, and lacking nothing. If you just remember that, it'll change your life. Five, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach. God gives of us generously. And we're going to talk about that today. God does not withhold from us. God does not hold things back. He does not keep you defeated. He does not keep you under, if you will. But he is quick to give you the things, wisdom, to be complete. Verse 6, but let him ask in faith, faith. With no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a, a wave of sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation and the rich in his humiliation. Because like a flower of the grass, he will pass away. For the sun rises with its scorching heat. And withers the grass, its flowers falls, or its flower falls, and its beauty perishes. So also will be the rich man, uh, the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits. Verse 12. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Let no one say, when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured away, enticed by his own desires. Then, the, then desires, when it has conceived, is birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. 
Do not be deceived, my brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will he brought or of his own he will brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be kind of a kind of first fruits of his creation. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name, and Lord, your presence is in here. And Father, we know that you're speaking to each and every one of us today. And and Father, we decide to allow you to move upon us today. Father, we ask that you move across our minds and our hearts for Father, those things that may be distracting us, we lay them at your feet today. Father, so that we can focus in on your words and that we can hear what you're speaking to each and every one of us. And Lord, let your words bring us to our knees and say, Lord, I, I need you in this, in Jesus' name. But Father, we love you. We praise you. We appreciate you. We thank you for all you've done, man. You come after us through your son, Jesus Christ. You came after us. You loved us so much. You came for us. And made a way possible for us to come to you. And Father, we give you glory for that today. In Jesus' name, amen. The first one is be faithful. Blessed is the man, the woman, who remains steadfast or faithful under trial. For when they have stood the test, they will receive the crown of life. Before we can be faithful, we must choose Jesus as Lord of our life. And I open that door up today because if there's anyone here today or anyone listening online that if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're wasting your time. You're wasting your life until you make that decision because that's what will change your life. I remember when, when I accepted Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior, a weight was just lifted from me and a peace came over me and I thought I wished I'd have done this several years ago. When I finally followed and got into my calling and my giftings that God had for me, I looked back and I thought, boy, that was a waste of time, everything I did before, because this is where I thrive. This is where I want to be, is at Lord's feet. I want all him. So guys, when we're not being faithful to God, we're wasting our time. We need to press into God and, and stand firm and unwavering in faith. That's what faithfulness is. That's what steadfastness is, is a firm and unwavering spirit of faith. Do we seek him every day? Do we find him every day? The next slide is I'm going to show you my dogs. You're probably sick of seeing my dogs, but it ministers to me. And I've shared the stories over the years about the time that I went golfing and, and Karen was looking for me. She came in direct. Greg picked up my scent, the one on the, your left. He picked up my scent, and he walked the golf course. I wasn't even there anymore. Man, that's steadfastness. That's faithfulness. And he led her by my scent. And then the story of this last winter, you guys know how cold it was. Uh, the worst, one of the worst, coldest winters we ever had. And they're up here laying outside because I come up to check for water lines. They followed me over here. You guys heard the stories. You know, anymore, if I come from town or I come back from Joplin and they hear me talking outside, they will come from the house to find me. I got a text the other day from my mother, where are you at? And I said, well, we run to Springfield to eat. 
And she goes, Drake and Benji are laying at the edge of the road just like they're sad and ready to die looking for you. My mom texted me that. Did you not? The other day she texted me and said, you're home? And I said, yeah. Well, your dogs don't act like it. (laughs) Man, that's steadfastness. That's steadfastness. But the other day I was out walking and and I got down there about two miles and, and, and Karen had let Drake out thinking that I was too far away. Well, I got caught. I, I tell you what, sometimes when I go walking, I do more ministering. That day I talked to five people, but uh, as a long, ended up being a long prayer morning. That's good. I love that. Talk to me. But, but anyway, I was talking to a guy, and, and I look up, and here comes Drake, his nose to the ground, and he's crossing the road, and there's cars are coming. And I said, buddy, I'm sorry, but I got to go look out for my dog. And I said, stupid dog. And the Lord corrected me. He goes, that dog's not stupid. He's faithful. He's faithful. And, and look what happens when he's faithful. You look out for him. And the Lord spoke to me. He goes, when you're faithful and you're pressing into me, I'm looking out for you. I'm guarding you. I'm protecting you. I'm leading you. Great crossed in front of a car. He didn't even care because he had a scent to the ground. But I was looking after him. And I went and got him and took him to where he needed to be. And that's what we need to be steadfast. That's what faithfulness is. And you say, well, God doesn't look out for me when I'm not doing what I don't need to do. No, you're not hearing from God when you're not doing what you need to do. How many of you, when you're in active sin and you're half two sheets to the wind, are going, praise God, thank you, Jesus, I feel your presence in the house. When I was drunk and, and, and seeking and looking around and upset, I was down and out, and, and the devil was beating me up and saying, God doesn't, doesn't like you this way. God doesn't like you at all. He was throwing condemnation on me. But anyway, I don't want to chase that rabbit. But blessed is the man who remains faithful. And this is so neat in the word today. Blessed here means happy, spiritually prosperous, and favored by God. That's all I want. You know, a lot of times I get in the pulpit, I used to pray, God, let me have the favor of the people. I quit praying that a long time ago. Father, let me have your favor. And, and, and that's what I desire is God's favor, God's prosperity in my life, God's happiness. I want God, and that's steadfastness. But that's the blessings of God. When we press into him, man, we receive the crown of life. Do you realize that the Greek word in verse 12 here for crown was a term usually used for a wreath placed on a head of a victorious athlete? faithfulness to God and steadfastness to God will bring victory. I was getting so excited. I was doing a tongue twister thing. When I get excited, my tongue starts moving, the spit starts flying, and then I go blah, 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 blah. But guys, get this today. Steadfastness in the Lord brings victory. The crown of life. So during tribulations, during trials, we can experience a move of God when we are firm and unwavering. When we allow life to make us battle weary, we can be steadfast and press into God, firm and unswerving and faithful, and he's going to move across us. And we're going to receive a touch upon him. 
Faithfulness is looking to God every day and seeking him. Faithfulness is following him all the days of our lives the best that we can. Faithfulness is reading your word and praying and and, and listening and just doing all these things. You guys know faithfulness is right here. Faithfulness is coming to worship on Sunday, coming to worship on Wednesdays. And I got to tell you, I was a little bit upset the other day on Wednesday. I had to pray through a little bit because I thought we had a great speaker, speaker here and we had a bad turnout, I thought. And, and that's where we need to be is in the house of God. And then people will call me, oh, pastor, I'm hurting. I need a touch from God. And I said, when's the last time you come to church? Oh, it's been a couple of weeks. Oh, it's probably been a month now, pastor. We need worship. We need to be faithful to worship. We need the Bible school, the, the Sunday schools, all these things. But we need to be faithful in our tithes and our offerings. Man, if you don't want to hear a capital campaign or, or hear anything about giving, then just be faithful to your tithe. Because I wouldn't have to say it. I wouldn't have to bring it up. If we were faithful in our tithe, man, we'd be doing a hundred things more than we're doing for the Lord. Just think about it. Are we faithful? Are we faithful in trials and tribulations? And I think this is why a lot of us are battle-weary is because we struggle during times of temptation or trials. And that's where point two comes in. Doubt starts to itch its way in. And guys, we've all been there. You know, we all have these thoughts of doubts when we're going through hard times. But, but, But Satan is out there like Jesus is pursuing us. Satan's out there trying to cause doubt trying to cause you to stumble, trying to cause you to spump, fall. I just, I just think he is. But doubt comes in there, and James 1, 6 through 8 talks about it, and it's behind me. But, but I want to spend some time on the things that, that I believe the Lord said that Oakton may be struggling with, or maybe some that are listening here today. I'll be honest with you, there's two or three people the Lord put on my heart when I was writing these three, and I think I might call you out. No, I would never do that. I'll let the Lord's Spirit do it. But one of you didn't hear, but I saw you online. We need to hear these things. And the reason I say that is not to brag that the Lord told me something, but it should be bring you joy that the Lord puts you on somebody's heart. It should bring you joy that the pastor is praying for you and wants God to touch your life. But most importantly, it's God wanting to touch your life. So the first thing I think we doubt a lot of time is the power of prayer. And I'm going to come from Mark 9 today a little bit and kind of talk from the disciples. And a few weeks ago, I preached, we're in this level up series, if you will. We're on level up three. But I think it was one or two. We talked about Mark 9 a little bit. But it was of a father that brought his demon-possessed son to the disciples for healing. And they couldn't get it done And so they were arguing, if you will. The scripture says in 9-2, they were arguing because, hey, Jesus did this. God gave you the power to do this. Then why isn't it happening? See that doubt creeping in there? You know, it could have been the the father himself. You know, I've been seeing Jesus all the time heal. Disciples, what's going on here? Why can't you heal? God gave you that same power that Jesus lives in you. But then you think of the scribes that were there. If you read 9-2 and and read that whole chapter, there were scribes there. And scribes were probably opposing Jesus, and they were probably not wanting to support the disciples because they're a bunch of 
unlearned men. And so they were probably sitting there, oh, you can't do it. They were probably arguing, see, I told you. You see the doubt that could be creeping in. You see the things that might be going on. And so the disciples went from, you know, the power of prayer to maybe defending the faith. Maybe we don't need to defend the faith. Maybe we just need to move out in the power of God and let God defend the faith. No amends on that. You don't agree with that? We defend the faith by doing what God calls us to do and speaking what God calls us to do. Jesus comes on the scene, and if you guys go back before that, uh, actually Peter, James, and John, and Jesus came in because they just got were coming back from the transfiguration, and they were coming back in, so it was the other disciples that were having the trouble. And, and Jesus come up there, and he said in 919, Oh, faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. So the opposite of faithfulness is unfaithfulness or this doubt that was creeping in. Bear here means carry the weight. Jesus went to the cross and already bore the weight once and for all so that we could walk in victory. He's done all that he's going to do. And he's made it possible for us to walk in victory in our lives. And so Jesus is saying, man, I've done it. Later, Jesus would explain to them that the reason that they were struggling here was in 929, this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. And I think about that, and we're going to move into uh, Mark 14. If you want to stick your finger in Mark 14. And Jesus, again, was preparing to go to the cross, and we see here that, that disciples are still struggling with doubt and maybe even wavering in prayer. Maybe they haven't got the full uh, a touch of what God's wanting to do through Jesus in their lives. But Jesus had asked them to pray with him. He'd asked them to stand in the gap with him. They asked of all the things Jesus asked of his disciples about the cross, he said, pray for me. Pray for me. The power of prayer changes things. Prayer is too easy. Prayer can't change my marriage. Yeah, it can. Prayer, prayer can't change my children. Yeah, it can. Prayer can't do this. Yeah, it can. We need to get those doubts out. But we see Jesus here. He asks his disciples to pray. And he was going through battle. You guys know the story. He was sweating blood. He was, he was really intense wanting to know God's will and, you know, take his cup from me, Lord, but not your will, but my will, man. It's intense prayer. And all he asked of the disciples was to pray because there's power in prayer. And he went out and his disciples, he found them sleeping and he said to Peter, so could you not watch with me one hour? We see that it didn't stop there. They continued to struggle and Jesus had, you know, went back and he came back again in 1440, uh, a second time, and they were sleeping. And he came back again the third time and they were sleeping in 1441. But three times they weren't doing what Jesus had asked them to do. Man, 
Were they doubting prayer? Do we doubt the power of prayer? Because I think that's why a lot of us are battle-weary. Because when I tell people, you know, just pray and read your word, they're like, I don't want to hear that. I hear that all the time. That's the answer. Is prayer, the word, fellowship, each other. The exciting thing about this is Jesus bared with the disciples and stayed with them, pursued them. I could get into another sermon. The Lord showed me something else on yesterday. But Peter denied Christ three times after they're taking him to the cross. And he was going to the cross. You guys know the story. But you know what? Christ still went to the cross. He didn't, he didn't matter to him that Peter was denying him. How many times do we're battle weary and, and people's opposing us and we're just tired of the fight and I'm going to quit? Jesus didn't let his surroundings cause him to quit. He pressed in. He went to the cross no matter what his disciples were doing. He went to the cross because he loved them. Anyhow, that's another sermon. But, but we see the disciples eventually break through this. And I think a lot of it was because they couldn't be saved and Christ couldn't be in them until Christ was resurrected from the dead. And we see that in John chapter 20 where I believe that they were saved. And then Jesus told them to go pray. And guess what? They did it. And then when they prayed, there was an outpouring of the Holy Spirit in Acts 2.4. And then guess what? There was a mighty move of God along their life. The same thing happens for us. Got to get saved. Get filled with the Holy Spirit. Pray and seek the Lord. And there's going to be a move of God on your life. I promise it. Promise it. Well, no, no, no. It doesn't matter what I think. Jesus promises it. When we realize victory is won in, through prayer, trials and temptations will be easy. I was thinking, the Lord put it on my heart, maybe those that, that were in the, the Hurricane Ida, I think is what they're calling it now, those are the ones that are going, praise God, Jesus is taking care of us and their house is demolished behind them. They're, they're, everything's gone, but they're, praise God, thank you, Lord, Jesus is God. Jesus is the Lord. Jesus is the Savior of my life. They got a smile on their face. There's power in prayer. The second form of doubt I think there is, is why does God do this to me? And we're going to spend a lot of time on this, the, these three things today, because I think I see this in our body. I see it in the world for sure, as far as other churches, but, but why did God do this to me? Or why is God wanting me to go through this? You know, again, doubting God. James was quick to head off that God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. God is not responsible for your sin, your sickness, or your death. Satan is. Satan's the Lord of this world. And that's what really just blows my mind again back in Mark 9. This man we talked about a couple of weeks ago when he brought his man, this demon-possessed boy to Jesus. He knew that the, the sin, the sickness, and the demon, it wasn't from Jesus. And we see that in the scripture here. Uh, uh, he brought in Mark nine seventeen. I brought my son to you for he has a spirit that makes him mute. He didn't say, Jesus, God, you did this to me. He wasn't blaming God. He was saying the spirit, the evil spirit. 
In Mark 9, 20, he said the evil spirit convulsed the boy. The spirit is what caused seizures. The spirit is what, the evil spirit is what brings things against us. This sickness and stuff. He even goes on in Mark 9, 22, the evil spirit casts him into the fire and into water to destroy him. What did Jesus say? The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that you may have life and have it more abundantly. So we must recognize like this, this blind or this uh, demon-possessed father recognized that, 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 that it didn't come from God. It didn't come from Jesus. That God can't be tempted by evil, nor does he do that. But guys, he recognized who the battle was with. And he went to battle. But again, we're going to get into it later. He said, I believe, but help my unbelief. And we're going to get into that in the faith part. But, but a lot of times, you know, I believe in God, but help my unbelief. I believe God can change the situation. I believe God can heal this boy, but help my unbelief. You see, he was growing through these times. But again, he recognized the power of prayer. He recognized that it wasn't from God what was opposing him and his family. And he pressed in to Jesus. I added these in today early and, and, and maybe for somebody today. Actually, James 1.17 says, every good, gift and, or, every good and every perfect gift is from above. We read that today. The sin, the scripture we use during salvation, Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. You see, you getting it here? For the gifts and the callings of God are irrevocable. Well, I've sinned so much, God took my gift away. No, no. The gifts of God are irrevocable. That's a gift. God doesn't take your gift back. Your gift's still there. If you've allowed sin, sickness, or, or death to come into your life spiritually, all you got to do is confess and get back into God, and it, it, that's right there, guys. It's never gone. It's a gift. He doesn't re-gift. A lot of us re-gift. I don't want this. We re-gift it. No, it's your gift. Matthew 7, 11, if then you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father who is in heaven give good thanks to those who ask? A lot of people are struggling. I got ready to say me, but I'm not accepting it. But a lot of people struggle because they don't open the gifts that God gave them. From salvation, the gift of the Holy Spirit, the gift of, of all the gifts that God gives you. And young Timothy was struggling maybe and battle weary. And Paul wrote a letter there to Timothy and he was encouraging him. And he said, for this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of hands. We need to stir these gifts. We need to stir our salvation. We need to stir the Holy Spirit. We need to just stir that calling through prayer and through the word and through fellowship. And the last one here that, that, that I'm going to throw this in here. I'm trying to watch the time, but I think somebody needs to hear this today. But do you realize you're a saint? 
And the Lord really spoke that to me the other day. If you look up saint and even scripture, I mean the, the Greek and Hebrew, however you want to look it up, a saint is a person acknowledged as holy or virtuous. One of God's chosen and, and usually Christian people. So one of them was secular, one was not. But all say that a saint is a believer. So the minute you accept Jesus Christ, the Lord, your Lord and Savior, you are a saint. Why do we say that, you know, Gary Dumb's a saint, but I'm not? Why do we say that Joe can pray, but I can't? You're a child of God. And the reason I use saint there is because we understand that terminology. First Corinthians 1, 2, to the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, salvation, called to be saints together with all those who are in every place, call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, both Lord and ours. A saint is a person that's saved. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. The old sin nature is gone and the righteous nature is in there. That's why if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and deliver us from all unrighteousness, meaning he's forgiven me of my past sins, meaning he's forgiven me of my present sins, meaning he's forgiven me of my future sins. But do you realize that everything behind me is, is over with and covered? If I make a mistake and, and cuss Joe out today and I recognize that and I repent, it's gone. We got to make that confession you know, we just kind of saying, yeah, I messed up. Thank you for your forgiveness. We don't dwell in it. We don't let it hack away at us. We don't let it tear us up. But you are a saint today. You need to realize, and this is the third point or the third doubt, that some of us struggle with God's ability to forgive us and make us righteous. You can't get past feeling guilty. Man, man, you keep coming to these altars every week. And to be honest with you, God checked me into saying, do you want to rededicate? When really it's by faith you're saved, not of yourself. That's a gift from God so no one can boast. You can run to these altars or you can run to the Lord and, and say, Lord, here I am. I don't want these things. I don't want this guilt. For by grace you've been saved. You haven't done nothing to earn it. Don't feel guilty. It's a gift. It's not a result of your work. It's a result of Jesus' work. All we need to do is surrender and confess. God, here I am. Make me more. I want more of you, Lord. The third point in the battle key, I think, is, is the key to all this. We get past these doubts, but, but we do that by asking in faith. James 1, 6, but let him ask in faith. In prayer, we ask God to make us stronger. As we said, the, the man in Mark 9, 24, he said, I believe, but help my unbelief. Man, I see my son here rolling around on the, on the floor, man. He's spitting. He's, he's just making all these crazy noises. And Lord, I believe you can heal him, but help my unbelief. 
Man, I brought him here because I know you can do something, Lord, but, but I see all this going on and it scares me when he does that. It scares me when he throws himself in the fire and he does all these hurtful things to me. Lord, I believe you can handle him, but help my unbelief. And I think that's where a lot of us get. And the way we break down that unbelief is Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the convictions of things not seen. We need to press in to, when we see these things going on around us that scare us and maybe make us doubt God or the things of God and we believe God's real and alive and we believe he can change us, Lord. Let me not see them, Lord. Help my unbelief. Father, let me see and let me start speaking what my boy will be. Drake couldn't see me, but he sensed me and he is faithful to follow me. He ignored the dangers of crossing the road, the hot temperatures, the cold temperatures, and he kept his nose to the ground until he found me. Man, he can't see me. He just tries his best to follow me in the spirit. That's what God's asking us to do is follow you in his senses, but, but we follow him in the spirit. And that's what helps us get past our unbelief. Romans 10, 17 says, so faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of God. Again, that's why it's so important to be here or to be in the word at home and, and to really press into all the things of God. In Roman, or excuse me, in Matthew 17, Jesus is sharing the same example, or the, it's the same story in Matthew sharing it as in Mark 9 that we were talking about. And, and he's, you know, the, we're talking about the demon possessed boy. And, and Jesus says to him, For truly I say to you, if you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, Move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. But guys, this is a mustard seed, by the way, right here. I put one on the board there. And the reason I laughed, Michael come by my office and he about decided that was a booger, but, but it's not a booger. It's a mustard seed. Uh, they give you, let you see, because I know you can't see this thing. See, I just threw one at Joe. Did you see it? Oh. It's, in your, it's in your beard, man. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> There's lots of things in your beard, isn't there? I'm just teasing. Isn't that bad? Isn't that bad? Oh, you love it though, don't you, Heather? We got to pick on him. Yeah. So, <laughs> was, I got to get my mind back where it's supposed to be. But, but behind me, it gives you the size of what a mustard seed is. And that's a dime, and that's a pencil uh, eraser. I busted the eraser off and put it up there to kind of let you see how this mustard seed is. Did you see that one? That's how much faith it takes to move a mountain. Wow. I need faith. I guarantee you, you got that much faith. Romans 12, 6 talks about we've all been portioned a measure of faith. It'll take care of everything we need. And then you got the gift of faith to another, the faith by the same spirit. Man, if you're filled with the Holy Ghost, you can operate in that supernatural faith, which maybe be, be this big. But we need to be steadfast in our faith. And that's going to make us perfect and complete and lacking nothing. So be faithful and ask. Ask for wisdom, as he said in 
in uh, verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given him. Wisdom here in the Greek means the spiritual capacity to see and to evaluate life and conduct life from God's point of view. That's where we go along a lot of times. We think we get wisdom and it's worldly wisdom. It needs to line up with God's word. So when you're asking for God's wisdom, you're not asking for a worldly wisdom. You're asking for a supernatural wisdom that fits and points to God. It's from God's point of view. Well, everybody in the world's doing this, but God's point of view is this. This is the wisdom. Jesus is calling us to operate in the spirit of wisdom and not humanism or man's formulas. And the last thing here is count it a joy when you have trials. Guys, if there's not trials and temptations in your life, you're probably not doing a lot for the Lord. I don't mean that mean, but, but the Lord really put that on my heart. And you hear people say that all the time. And, and whether you agree with it or not, think about it here today. But, but the Lord showed me two scriptures weeks ago. But one was 1 Corinthians eleven nine when I was prepared for communion. For there must be factions among you in order that those who are genuine among you may be recognized. Factions are a state of division within the party. Wow. Trials and tribulations show us who's genuine in the Lord. Trials and and tribulations show the Lord who's genuine, who's going to be faithful to him. Wow. You guys seen it. I was talking to somebody the other day, and maybe I'm talking too much since we're online, but... But their church is split three times. And there's two or three other different churches. And I'm thinking, man, what, what could they have done if they'd have stayed together? If they could have got past these factions. But you see the fruit of people when their toes are stepped on. When trials and tribulations come in. But bear with me here. The second one is because in Psalms 28, 5, that, that I believe the Lord showed me, again, talking about these trials and, and tribulations and why they're, they're there sometimes. But Psalms 28, 5 says, because they do not regard the works of the Lord or the work of his hands, he will tear them down and build them up no more. Man, that one there really stuck with me for days. If you don't seek and care about the Lord, he's probably not going to build you down and and tear you up anymore. Meaning, he allows trials and tribulations to allow you to come closer to him. You don't regard the works of the Lord. You don't care about the Lord. You You don't care about the things of the Lord. So, he will tear you down no more and build you up no more. Wow. And I got to thinking about that, that any trial and tribulation that I ever went through, that if I stayed close to God, there would be a move of the Holy Spirit. 
So when I was genuine and, and I didn't quit and give up and walk away, I would see a mighty move of the Holy Spirit. What about David and Goliath? Man, that was a trial and temptation. And David stepped up when nobody else would and look at the mighty move of God. What about Jesus at the cross? Man, he was all alone. Very few were standing with him anyway, but he pressed in, and guess what? There was a mighty move of God. Look at all the people worshiping here today. Look at all the people worshiping online today. So trials and tribulations ought to excite you to the extent that you're going to see a mighty move of God in your life when you stay faithful to him. If we would start looking at trials that way, and tribulations that way that, wow, God's going to get a chance to flex his muscles in my life because I'm going to be faithful to prayer. I'm going to be faithful to fasting. I'm going to be faithful to his word. I'm going to be faithful to tithe. I'm going to be faithful to work. And Satan, you're going to get your tail whooped. Trials and tribulations allow God to demonstrate his power and authority in our lives. Count it a joy. Counted a joy. And I hope I brought these last two points across the way the Lord wanted them to be brought across today. But pray on these, meditate on these things. And as always I say, that anything I say that if you don't think it lines up to God's word, kick it out. I only want you to hear what God's speaking. A word of encouragement. God does not allow trials and tribulation in our lives because he's displeased with us. You get that? Instead, trials indicate that God recognizes our faith and has confidence in our commitment to him. He believes you, his saints, will stand strong. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says, No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful and he will not lead you or let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure. Nothing you're going through. You can handle anything you're going through in Jesus name. You can handle any trial or tribulation in Jesus name. When you press into him, it's going to make you a stronger and a better person. The other day, the Lord showed me that at men's prayer breakfast, and, and, and it just blessed my socks off, but we were talking about things. And I love the old timers that, that had been through all the battles. The ones that are older than I am. They didn't tell you worldly wisdom, but every time somebody shared a trial and tribulation they are going to, they reached over and grabbed their word and were digging in the word of God. They were looking, they were doing this. And then they would share what the Lord put on their heart. And it made me want to weep because it's that easy. <laughs> the most experienced, the most powerful men of God I know and women of God 
They're going to go to prayer and they're going to go to the word because they've learned over life through trials and tribulation to be faithful to God. And that's what God's calling you to do today. If you're battle weary, be faithful. Don't let the doubt come in. Don't let Satan get a hold of your mind thought. But press into the Lord. Pray for a stronger faith. Father, I believe and I'll never stop believing, but help my unbelief. Then worship him. Count it a joy when you experience trials and and find the joy of the Lord in everything you say and do. When I would whimper throughout my life, my mother would always say these words. If you don't have anything good to say, don't say nothing at all. Put a smile on your face. I'm tired of you looking like your dad. No, she never said that. (laughs) I had to shake it up a little bit here. Because we're moving into the most important time of the service today. God wants us to be faithful and press into him and trust him. He's with you. He's got your back. He loves you more than you can imagine. If you would go to heaven today, man, we'd be celebrating, wouldn't we? Man, we'd be all up and, oh man, this is awesome. And God walked up to you and said, hey, you go back and, and, and start over again so that Oakton could come to church or come to heaven later. Would you do it? I don't know, God. I guess because you asked me, maybe that's not biblical. He won't do that. But Jesus did. Jesus was with God. And he went to this life and went through the same trials and tribulations that we do. Guys, go to Matthew 4 and, and Luke 4. Jesus was attacked and he stood on the word of God, led by the Holy Spirit. And then when he was done, the angels came and attended him. Man, let the angels attend you today. Let the Holy Spirit touch your life today. Man, if it's good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for me. Amen? We'll stand to our feet today. If you need saved today, run to these altars. If you need delivered today, run to these altars. If you need healed today, run to these altars today. If if you just need to, to get in there and say, Lord, I surrender all run to these altars today. But there's no reason to be defeated or battle weary because Jesus has paid the price. Amen? Amen. Father, we've heard your word and Father, I ask that we respond to you accordingly. In Jesus' name, amen.